<laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. I'm glad you're here this morning. We are in a series called Give It Up. Um, with the help of the guy who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, his name is Rick Warren. With Stuttgart Harvest Church's help, we are going to try to discover a way that God can help us through these hurts and, and even through habits that can be destructive to our lives. Maybe years of habits that you possibly have carried around with you. We're going to try to find God's help in kind of moving through that because we can find ourselves getting stuck in life, stuck in all different kinds of ways. We have the tendencies to get stuck in relationships. You can get stuck uh, in, in habits that you can't seem to shake, get stuck even. We can get stuck in grief when we've lost somebody that we love. Um, we can get stuck in anger. We can get stuck at work and, and just our work life. You can get stuck in a sexual relationship, all kinds of ways we can just get stuck in life. And then we find ourselves not able to get out of a problem. And we say to ourselves, I should be able to get out, but I can't I, I'm because I'm stuck. And then we start feeling guilty. We start feeling guilt over that. I should be able to change. I should be able to be different, but I can't seem to get there. So we feel uh, guilt, then we get angry at ourselves, um, and that anger can turn into depression because then we see that there's no hope to get out, and eventually we find ourselves saying, if I don't get some kind of help, I'm going to end up in the hospital. We want to just give up. We don't feel like we can change, and the cycle just kind of starts all over again, over and over and over again. So how do we break this cycle of being stuck in life. Now, that's what we started talking about last week. Uh, and then we continued that conversation on the church blog. And I would encourage you, if you have not read that, li well, listen to last week's message and then read last week's blog. Because last week we talked about this. We said we have to get to the place in our lives where we admit I have a problem. I am powerless over this in my life. I've tried to get over it. I've tried to get past it, but I'm powerless. It has power over me. I can't do it. We call this kind of a reality step because we're coming to terms. We're coming to the realization, the reality that I need help. I have a problem. I need help. Then last week on the blog, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we talked about this. We said there's a hope step. The reality is we can't do it, but we have hope because not only am I powerless, but God actually has the power that I need and he's willing to help out. So he knows my problems. He cares that I'm going through this problem and he cares about me. And we're just kind of saying there is hope. There is hope because God knows everything that's going on in my life and he is offering to help. And that's what we talked about in the blog, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's the hope step. And this morning we're talking about step number three, because it is not just enough to know. It's not just enough to admit I've got a problem. It's not just enough to know that God wants to help me in this life. I'm actually going to have to take some action. I am going to have to do something. You've got to make a decision. You've got to walk across that line and say, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to commit to this. And here is exactly what we're asking you to do today. To consciously, consciously choose to commit all of your life and all of your will to Christ's care 
and to his control. That's what we're asking you to do today. Donnie, get, get us started. Right. So this step comes straight out of Matthew chapter 11 and what Jesus said in there. And, and the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew is Matthew's firsthand account of the things that happened and the things that he saw and heard Jesus say as he followed Jesus around ministering. And one day Jesus is teaching and preaching in the, in the villages around the Sea of Galilee. And Matthew records this event that happened. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 is where we'll be. And as Jesus starts to speak, though, the crowds lean in because when Jesus spoke, people listened. Jesus was full of truth, but he was graceful. He, he commanded the audience's attention, and they, he had a reputation of when he spoke, it was important. So people leaned in to hear him, and this is what he said. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. So Jesus looks around and looks into the people's eyes there that day. And he says, come to me. He said, are, are you tired? Are you tired of doing life your way on your own? And you just feel the burden of life beating you down. He says, come to me. And today, 2,000 something years later, he looks at us. And he says, you know, are you tired of doing life your way? How has that worked out for you? You feel burdened. You feel this heavy load. And he says, come to me. It's God's invitation to all. And then Jesus says this. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Jesus says, you know, give me Care and control of your life and watch what I do with it. Do you notice what Jesus says that we'll find there in verse 29? He says that we will find rest for our souls, peace for our souls. If you're completely honest this morning, and we're not asking you to say it, just, just have this conversation with you and God, what do you feel in your soul this morning? Are you tired? <laughs> Uh, do you feel that, that heavy burden? Are you weary, worn out, burned out? I think so often, Harley, you know, that's, that's what we all feel. But what keeps you from coming to Christ, from giving Christ complete care and control of your life? What is it for you? Something keeps you from doing it. Something keeps me from doing it. Something keeps us from giving our life to Jesus. If you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that we're going to talk about that keeps us, that barrier that keeps us from doing that is pride. Pride will keep us from admitting, I need help. And the Bible has a lot to say about pride. We're going to talk about a couple of those verses. First one is in Proverbs 18:12. Listen to what it says here. It says, no one is respected unless he is humble. Think about this. All the people that you look up to, all the people that you respect, they're humble. More than likely, they're very humble people. They're not arrogant or prideful. They're humble. The verse goes on to say, arrogant people are on their way to ruin. Arrogant people won't stop and ask for help. You know, I know that we don't have any guys here this morning that ever get lost. When you're going somewhere you've never been, we don't get lost. We just take the long way around on purpose, the scenic route, because we wanted to see all that again for two times. The kids are like, didn't we just pass that? Shh, hush. 
You know, but that's what we do. And I'm, I'm with you. But it's pride. It's pride that keeps us from stopping and, and asking for directions. Or maybe even using the GPS that's right there. I know, no, that thing's wrong, <laughs> right? I, she just keeps telling me what to do. <laughs> Make a U-turn, hush. <laughs> what keeps us, listen, what keeps us from reading the instructions first before we attempt to put it together? <laughs> and we put it together and it's like this. My wife's like, is it supposed to look like that? What are all those pieces? Oh, those are extra. <laughs> right? It's pride, pride. Listen to this, Proverbs 10, 8. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools, babbling fools, I don't know any of those. The babbling fool is a self-sufficient, running their mouth because they don't need any help, and they, they know everything. It says, the Bible says, babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Maybe you're not ready this morning to take this step that we're talking about. Maybe you're not ready to say, you know, I, I do. I give my complete care and control of my life to Christ. Maybe you're not ready for that. You know, our pride can, can often cause us pain. And sometimes it takes a, a greater dose of pain for us to come to the place where we're ready to give Christ complete control of our life. And God will allow pain to get our attention God can leverage temporary pain in our life to, to save us from an eternity of pain. And the, the idea of, that, a, that God would allow pain in your life might not be something that you're comfortable with. Um, it might not be your idea of a loving Heavenly Father. But, but let me just say this this morning. How many of you here that are parents, or if you're not a parent, think back to when you were a child. How many of you have either taken your ch child to the doctor or dentist to get a shot? Or when you were a child, you went to the doctor or dentist and you got a shot and it hurt. But man, the I need to go to the dentist right now. And uh, I don't want to go. Nothing against dentist. It's just, it, it's something we dread. It's, it's painful. Uh, but you didn't take your child to the dentist or the doctor because you didn't love them. It's the quite opposite. You took them there because you do love them. And you were willing for them to experience some temporary pain to prevent them from long-term pain. And our Heavenly Father, our lovingly Heavenly Father, is willing for us to do the same. You know, God uses pain to convince us that the fairy tale that we tell ourselves, the fairy tale that, that I'm my own God, and that, that fairy tale is actually not a fairy tale, that it is a nightmare. And he uses pain and suffering a lot of times to remove our pride. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, he said this in his book, The Problem with Pain. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And it's so true. God has our attention a lot of times when we're in pain. God, God is waiting on you to take a step this morning. But what keeps you from taking that step? What keeps you from giving your life completely to Jesus? Something that, that it might be for you is guilt. Number two, if you're taking notes, guilt. Guilt will keep us from taking that step. Uh, maybe, maybe you're too ashamed to even pray to God. Have you ever been there? Listen to the emotion in this verse in Psalm 40. Verse 12, 
It says, for troubles surround me, too many to count. They pile up so high I can't see my way out. They are more numerous than the hairs on my head. I've lost all my courage. Have you ever been there? Too ashamed to look up at God. Too ashamed to ask Him to help because, you know, and, and you may be saying, you know, you don't know what I've done or you, you don't know how many times I've told God, but if you just do this for me this one time, I will never do that again. And you think, I, I can't go to God to ask Him for help. But see, you're, you're wrong. You're dead wrong because God, our lovingly heavenly Father, says, come to me. He looks us in the eyes and He says, come to me. Are, are you weary or are you heavy burdened? Come to me. And He wants to help us. He wants to remove that guilt from our life. So what is it for you that keeps you from giving God complete control of your life? Number three uh, is fear. Often fear is powerful in our life. I know it's been, it's been uh, something in my life that's been powerful. I'm afraid of what I might have to give up. Maybe that's you. So, so you keep trying to handle it. You keep trying to manage your life, but you're like on this branch and you can hear it breaking, but you're telling yourself, oh, it's not that bad. I can, I can hang on. You know, it's not that far down, but because you're afraid if, if you let go and give God complete control and you push it all to the table and say it's yours, what he might do in your life, what you may have to, to give up. What are you afraid of if you commit your life to Christ? Are you afraid that you say, you know, he'll turn me into a nun or a priest or, you know, and I'll be this religious fanatic person, you know, is, is that what you're afraid of? And you're saying, maybe, you know, I just, I don't like to be controlled. I don't want people controlling me. I don't want God controlling me. But here's the deal. You're, you're being controlled all the time. We all are. It's just, if you choose to follow Christ, if you choose to give your life completely to God, you're choosing who will control you. Because you're controlled by your hurts and your hang-ups. You're controlled by the way your parents brought you up. You're controlled by your past. So you know what? No, do you really know what freedom is? Freedom is choosing who controls you. When we give our life completely, the, the complete care and control of our life to Christ, He actually sets us free. Listen to this. What, what, what Jesus says about sin in our life, and I know that we've all experienced this at one time. Is Jesus says in, in John 8, he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. God says when, when we sin, it's not just sin, but then it turns into something that controls us. And we actually begin to serve, and, and that becomes our master, that sin in our life. And in the same chapter... He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that truth is the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ, the truth that he wants to set us all free with. Then he says in 8.36, listen, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. See, the evil one, our enemy, he wants us to believe that going to God is not freedom, but it is actually captivity. 
but it actually in turn it's the other way when we are enslaved to our sin and God is the one who sets us free. Real freedom is choosing our master. Listen to, to Matthew 16, verse 26. When we think about, you know, what what is it for you that that, that you're afraid to give up, that God may ask you to give up maybe a relationship, uh, an ambition, a habit, a lifestyle, a possession. When we think about all that, this verse and Matthew comes to mind. Listen to it. Very powerful. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is it worth more than your soul? So think about this. If you do, in fact, have a soul that lives for an eternity somewhere, what is more valuable to you than that? Is there any temporary possession that we have here or any temporary relationship that we have here that's more important than that? And God's no. And when you take this step, you're giving up essentially everything. You're pushing it all to the table and saying, okay, God, it's all yours. And he turns those broken pieces of our life around. And he gives them back to us, and we have new meaning, new significance, and in a new way, and we have a new purpose. If you've been afraid to open your life to the care and control of Christ, that he may make you a fanatic or some nut or something like that, or I might have to give up blank, whatever the blank is for you, don't worry so much about the specifics. We can get so bogged down and thinking about the specifics that, that we never take that step. And what, I think what God really wants from us is, is just this and saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't have all my questions answered. And I, 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 I don't know what you want me to give up, but I'm just going to push it all to the table my whole life and say, it's yours. And kind of give God this blank check and say, you know, you fill it in. You tell me. Because I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm, I'm just trusting in you. God, God is waiting for you to take that step. But something keeps you from it. Maybe for you, it's worry. You know, worry can keep us from Jesus. Worry keeps us from surrendering our life to Christ. Sometimes I think we confuse the decision-making phase with the problem-solving phase. And we think that we, we have to get all our problems solved first and we got to get it all figured out. Then we'll make this decision to follow Christ. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, though, when you read the Bible, that's not how it works. Every person that Christ said, come follow me, none of them had it together. None of them had it together. Harley, that's not how it works. We, we don't have to get it all together and then come to Christ. We, we make that decision first. Yeah. You know, today is Stuttgart Harvest Church's birthday on uh, Janu uh, February, February 14th. <laughs> I lost a month. February 14th, uh, 2010 is when we launched as a church, and it's our birthday. Six years ago, God kind of just in only the way God could do it, he took a scraggly Harley and hooked him up with some folks who had it all together. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hooked him up with just a handful, a handful of people 
in this area who had a desire to do whatever it would take to reach out to friends and family in this region who were not connected to a church and to see them connected to God through Jesus and do whatever it would take to see that happen. And you know who they were thinking about, right? They were thinking about you because you, you weren't here then six years ago. They were thinking about you. You see, when we decided to start Stuttgart Harvest Church, we didn't have everything together. Um, it was just just a handful of people sitting in a living room. We didn't say, okay, God, if you will, if you will get us 300 people together, if you'll gather up about 300 folks and, and if you will give them a place to meet, give them a building of their own and, you know, just a really great place. Then I'll move here and I'll partner with these folks and together we'll just, we'll just lead. I'll be one of the pastors at Stuttgart Harvest Church. I'll do that, God. But if you'll take care of all that first for me, that's not how it worked. We just decided to start. We made a decision. We're going to start. And it was after that point that we began doing all the things, going through all the processes, the things as God led us to, to do what we do today. And, and you're here today, not by accident. It was a divine appointment that God set for you and set for me. And we just, one at a time, at our own time, said yes to God. And you said yes, many of you. But it's after that moment that we say yes, then that's when all the processes began and that's when we put things into action. That's kind of what's happening there. If you wait, if you wait for God to put everything in order in your life and then you say, then God, then I'll say yes to you then, then it's never going to happen because that's not the way God does it. You know, we, Vanessa and I just moved and as part of that decision to move, we had to put in this change of address, this change of address that says, you know, I don't live there anymore. That's not, you know, I'm over here. I'm, I'm, I'm over here now. I'm not in this house. I'm over here. Change of address. It's so the government can find you and me. <laughs> change of address. I'm no longer here. I'm over here. And so, you know, I became a believer over 30 years ago over 30 years ago. But do you realize that decision that I made to become a follower of Jesus, looking at him and saying, God, even as a teenager, looking at God and saying, God, I just believe that you can do better with my life than I can. So I'm going to let you be the boss. I'm going to let you lead my life. And as much as I understand about myself, which was not much, God, I give it to you. As much as I understand about you, you can have it. And I didn't understand much about him either. 30 years ago, and you realize I'm still having to put in change of address notices as things pop up in my life. I'm like, oh, wait, ooh, that's the old Harley. I don't live there anymore. I'm over here now. I'm following Jesus. That's the old Harley. But they still pop up in my life. And I still have to say, wait, 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 wait. That, no, that's over there. I live here now. But I had to make that decision once, but it's a process through the rest of my life to allow God to, to, to change me slowly over the course of the rest of my life. The most important thing that Donnie and I can say to you today is this. Don't miss this. The Christian life, the Christ 
following life is a decision followed by a process of Jesus changing you little by little every single day for the rest of your life. And that's what happens when we are in recovery from life. Doesn't matter what the hurt is or the hang up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the pain is that you're trying to recover from. It's the same. There is a decision first that says, I want help. I want to get out of this. I want to move past this. And then it's a process. And yes, for the rest of your life, a process of Jesus changing you little by little for the rest of your life. And that is all we're asking today. We're not talking about the process today. Today we're talking about the decision. That's all we're talking about today is the decision. Rick Warren gives this amazing illustration. He says that in World War II, um, the Marines, they had this strategy when uh, the enemies would come and, and, and take an island. The Marines had a strategy to liberate that island, and here's kind of how it worked. I'll give you a summary of it. They would kind of move to that island with ships, and the Navy would just pelt that island. They would just pelt them with explosives and bombs and just one thing right after the other. And and they called that the softening up period. And that would do it, right? And many of you, though, in your life right now, you are in a softening up period. As you have faced one thing after another, you face things in your family, you have faced things with your friends, you have faced opposition, you have faced struggles and pain and hurt. One thing, right? It seems like after you get out of one thing, here's another one right behind it. And it has been relentless. And no matter how old you are or at what stage in life you are, you still could be in this softening up period. And it's getting you to the place where you're saying, I need help. I need to admit, I need help. I cannot do this on my own. And maybe that's what your heart is beginning to cry because you have faced one thing after another and you have been softened up and you finally are saying, I need help. Well, here's, here's what continued in the Pacific. So an island would be softened up. And then soon after, the Marines would come to shore. And they would land on the beach, and they would establish what they called a beachhead. And it may be very small. It may just be like 20, 20 yards into the, into the beach, but it may be 200 yards wide, a very small footprint on the island that they came in and they established this beachhead. And then from that point, day by day, they would have battles, and they would go a little further. Some days they would go 100 yards further. Some days 50. Some days they would actually go back 100 yards. But history tells us that as soon as they had a presence on that island, as soon as they had their beachhead, as soon as they were there, history tells us they never lost an island. Once they landed and established their presence, they never lost. And it was just a matter of time. Once they landed, does that mean there was liberation? And does that mean that the island was free? No, it didn't. 
But once they landed, it meant it was just a matter of time, and that island would be liberated. And this morning, when you make the step that we're talking about, God gets a beachhead in your life. Does that mean you're liberated and you're you're free and, and the habits are gone and the hurts are gone? No. It just means God has established a presence. He's established a presence in your life. You hear the Bible talking about it, about people being born again. You hear some churches using the description of becoming a Christian. You hear us describing it as becoming a Christ follower. And when you do, does that mean everything in your life becomes perfect? Absolutely not. That's not what that means. But it does mean this, that God is in your life. He's establishing a beachhead in your life. And for the rest of your life, here's what's going to happen. He's going to be in the process of setting you free. One battle at a time, little by little over the course of your life. And it is a process for the rest of your life. And God is saying, don't worry about it. I know the outcome. He says, you are mine. But maybe you are worried about the battle. Maybe you are thinking ahead and saying, I'm not sure that I can hold on. If this is what God is asking, that I hold on through the course of my life, I don't know that I can do that. But I want you to know it's not your job to hold on. It's not your job to make that happen. It's not your job. Because God looks at you and he says, guess what? I, God says to you, I do the keeping. It's not up to you to hold on. God says, I want you to cast all of your anxiety and all of your cares upon me. Why? Because he says, I care for you. And he holds his hand out and he asks you to believe him enough to place your hand in his. And he closes his hand onto yours. When your children were little, you're crossing 22nd Street to run over here to Subway. You're crossing the street, you hold on to their hand, and they are squirming, and they're trying to wiggle their hand out. They're trying to pull their hand out as best they can, right? Because they don't want to be tethered. They're trying to pull their hand out, but you, Mom, you're not letting go, are you? You've got their hand. Dad, you are holding on. You are not going to let them squirm their hand out of yours. And that's because you're the loving mom and you're the loving dad and your loving heavenly father, no matter how much you want to let go of his hand after you make that decision, you may say, God, I I don't think that I even want to be be a believer right now. God, I I don't think I want that. He's not going to let go of your hand. And I know that sounds crazy to us. We say you should let go. But your loving father is not going to let go. He's not going to drop your hand. Once he has grabbed onto your hand, once you have placed your hand there, he holds on. He won't let go. And Paul kind of words it this way in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. He says, for I know the one in whom I trust. In other words, I know as much as I can know about God, I trust him. And I am sure that he is able to guard. And that's a defensive term. God is going to guard what I have entrusted to him 
until the day of his return. And sometimes he's even guarding that against ourselves. And he's not going to let go. He says, I do the holding. You don't have to worry about it. You place your hand in my hand. I do the holding. Whatever God asks you to do through this process, the decision is to place your hand in his. And then whatever he asks you to do in that process for the rest of your life, as he is changing you little by little, whatever he asks you to do, he will give you what you need to do it. Philippians 1.6 tells us this. It says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. He's not going to stop until it is finally finished. And it's going to happen for the rest of your life. When Christ Jesus returns, it's a lifelong process. And God is waiting on you to take this step. But something can keep us from doing that. Something can keep us from giving Jesus control of our lives. And here's the last note on that. Doubt. Doubt will keep you from giving Jesus control. You say, I, I, I want to believe, but my faith is just so small. I have so many questions. I, I, I mean, what, what is this whole thing about Adam and Eve and the first being first created? I don't understand that. Where did, where did Adam and Eve's children get their wives? And what, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? What about the dinosaurs? Did they have belly buttons? <laughs> we have so many questions. And we say, I need all of these answered and taken care of. And then maybe, then maybe, then maybe I'll commit. And Jesus says, no, I, I don't answer your questions first. There's some questions you won't get answers to this side of heaven. He says, I want you to come to me, not because it's the logical thing to do. I want you to come to me because I'm your father who cares. Place your hand here. What he says. Jesus in, in talking to a man whose child was being tormented. He has this conversation with him in, in Mark chapter 9. He says, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father and he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit, there, he had this evil spirit and by no means should you ever doubt that there's this world around us going on we can't understand or see. He says the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. And then he begs Jesus, he said, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus, please help us. And Jesus responded, verse 23, what do you mean if, if I can, Jesus asked. And he, and he explains it. He says, anything is possible if a person believes. Then the father cried out, I, I do believe. As if to say, Jesus, there, I, I do, I'm trying to believe. There's a little belief there. I, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The father's saying, I'm struggling. I, I believe there's a little bit there, but I don't have enough to do what you're saying needs to happen. Jesus describes to his disciples, he said, listen, guys, if you just had a, this little bit of faith, just a tiny amount even the size of a mustard seed, that's enough. For this mountain to move over here, that's enough. We can make that happen if you believe this much. And what he's telling them is this. 
It's not how big your faith is. It's how big is your God. And he says, you bring me just the tiniest amount of belief. Place your hand there, he says. That's all you need. Bring me the tiniest amount. And I'm big enough, God says, to take it from there. So maybe you have doubts. Maybe you have some questions that just aren't answered and you don't understand how science and the Bible comes together. Jesus says, I'll work that out for you. That's not our topic today. He says, will you put your hand in my hand? We can work out the Adam and Eve thing and we can work out the Jonah and the big fish thing. We can work out the Noah and the ark thing. That's not what's keeping you from believing. What? What's keeping you from believing? He said, place your hand in my hand. Take care of the other stuff. Give me that little amount of belief. And let's take it from there. That little bit of faith. And this morning, here's clearly, simply what we're asking you to do. Because some of you would come to us and say, Harley, listen, I've tried the whole church thing. I've tried it before. You see that I'm back. Yes, I've tried it before, though, and it just didn't work for me. So I'm not sure about the whole church thing. I've tried to give my life to God, as you have asked us to do. I've tried it, and it just didn't work for me. So here's my evaluation. It's not a perfect evaluation at all. But here are just some thoughts. Maybe, maybe you, as with me, we didn't fully understand Because I I have had, since becoming a believer in Jesus, my toughest days were ahead of me. I have had my lowest lows since I became a follower of Jesus. And maybe, maybe you just didn't fully understand what was all involved in giving Jesus your life. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe, maybe you came and you, you were here. And maybe we encouraged you as we taught, and maybe you were your heart swelled as, as we would sing and worship God. Maybe, maybe you had an experience here, but as you left, maybe you didn't take the steps. Maybe you were here and encouraged, but you didn't go home and actually take the steps we were talking about taking. That's possible. It's also possible that maybe as you heard, maybe you treated the steps or following Jesus kind of like a buffet, kind of like saying, I want, I'll take some of this and I'll do some of this. I'm not going to do that or that. Don't, don't mess with that area, but I, I'll do this. And I'll do this. God says, I, 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 I don't want a buffet. He says, I want all of you. And so maybe Maybe you didn't understand. Here's what specifically what we're asking you to do today is this. It's our bottom line. It says, I'm choosing to commit all of my life and my will to Christ, to his care and his control. All of it. I'm choosing. And here's how we're asking you to do that today. We've broken it down into four very specific steps. And we're asking you, just asking you not to treat these four steps like a buffet and say, I'll do this one and this one, but not this one. 
So we're going to take just a moment to explain these four steps. Here's the first one. This morning we are literally asking you, if you're taking notes, asking you to say this, I accept God's Son as my Savior. To come to the place this morning, today, where you say, I need to be saved. I need to be connected to God through Jesus because I need help. I need Him in my life. The apostles speaking to some people who were believing, they said this. Here's how it works. They said in Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. What does that mean? It means committing as much as yourself as you're aware of. It means committing that to Christ as much as you understand him right now at this moment. And you say, but is that good enough? That's good enough. What else are we asking? Right. Number two is I accept God's word as my standard for living. What you're saying by that step, step is from now on, I've got this manual that I'm going to live my life by. And that manual is the Bible. It's an instruction manual. And everything I do will be evaluated through the lens of the Bible. And that's what Scripture teaches is that, that all Scripture is useful for teaching us what is right and what is wrong. And it's used to correct our life in those in areas. So number three is this. It says, I accept God's will as my strategy. I accept God's will as my strategy, as my goal in life. What that is saying is God's will for my life will be the mark that I will shoot for. When I wake up in the morning, I will ask God, I will say, Lord, I know that you woke me up for a reason. And I know that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. And that is what I'm striving for. And that's what that means. That's, it means that we are going to strive for God's will in our life. Here's the fourth thing. We're asking you, can you say this? I will accept God's power as my strength. You've probably heard this verse before, Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He's saying no longer do you have to rely upon yourself just to make it through, just to get through the day. For things to work through your life, you got to be plugged in to God's power, His strength, His supply. He says, are you tired all the time? Are you weary? Are you worn out? God says, I'll give you the power, my power. I will give it to you to accomplish what we need to accomplish. In the book of Revelation, Jesus, there's a passage where Jesus is speaking to the church. But I love to use this because it is the perfect picture of what Jesus is also saying to us all throughout the gospel. He's speaking to a church, but listen to what, as if he were saying this to you, listen to this, Revelations 3.20, it says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. 
It's as if Jesus is standing at your life right now and he's standing at that door and he's knocking and he's saying, I I want to come in. Let's be friends. Let's have this relationship. I won't go. Will you open that door? And he's not going to knock the door down. He's waiting on you. He could, but he's not. He's given you the free will to choose whether you will or not, whether you will actually open that door of your life and allow him in, or will you say, go away, no soliciting here, Jesus, be gone. He's waiting on your response. And the key that unlocks that door is your willingness to simply open the door. We're asking you this morning, these four things, just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We call it a me too prayer. If what I'm saying is what your heart is feeling, just inside of your heart, you don't even have to say it out loud. You just say, God, that's me too. That's me too. We're going to lead you in a prayer that addresses all four of these things that we're asking you to admit to God today. Will you finally lay your hand in his hand? Some of you already have. And you've tried to let go. You've lived like you've wanted to let go. You maybe did want to let go. But some of you today are simply realizing, I've got to come back to my father. But some of you are coming for the very first time. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I just simply want you, if it's... If it echoes what your heart is feeling, just simply say, God, that's me too. That's me too. Let's pray. With every head bowed, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I just, if what I'm saying echoes with your heart, just tell God, that's me too. God, some of us this morning are realizing finally for the very first time that we need to place our hand in yours. Jesus, you died on the cross in my place. You did that for me. The Bible tells us that three days later, you rose again and defeated that death. You did that for me. And I'm going to place my hand in yours and ask you, Jesus, Will you be the boss of my life? I have lived my life my way on my terms. And I realize that I need to take all of that control that I have had and I need to place it on you and let you be in control of my life. And I will be your follower. Thank you for dying for me and not giving up. Thank you for knocking on the door of my life. Today I'm answering that door. And inviting you to come in and thank you that you don't rush in and beat me down. But God, you come in as my friend. And God, I am admitting today that you have given us this scripture. We call it the Bible. You've given us these letters and this collection of writing. You've given us this to encourage us and to shape us and to help us. And it's going to be my standard for living. Yes, I'm going to fail. But I'm going to keep coming back to it again and again and again. God, what you desire for me, 
your plan for my life, your strategy for my life, that's going to become my goal. I'm going to learn to want what you want. If you want it for me, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to learn to say yes. It's your strategy, God. This is now your life. And God, I don't have to come up with the power to make it through. I'm going to rely upon your power and your strength. As you give me what I need to face each battle. Right now, God, I'm choosing to commit all of my life and my will. I'm committing that to Christ's care and his control. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Some of you, for the very first time, decided to pray that prayer with me this morning to say, God, that's me too. On the back of your connection card, as we sing these two songs, then we're done. On the back of your connection card, will you mark and let, let me know. It's so important that you let us know of this step. Will you just let us know that I am choosing to become a follower of Jesus today. There's a place for you to mark it on the back of that card. Will you mark that box? And please, please, will you do what else it says? It tells you what to pick up at the next step table. Will you please pick that up today? Some of you are coming back. God, your hand is in the hand of God, but you have run from him. And some of you are saying, God, I'm coming back to you. You have never left me, but I've tried to leave you. He never let go. He still has you, but you're coming back and saying, I, I need you to take back control. I've tried to seize it back. I need you to have it. If you're making that, if you're kind of coming back to God today, would you just write that in somewhere on the prayer section, the comment section? Let us know how we can pray for you this week. Let's pray. We're going to sing two songs and just, just let the lyrics of these songs, they're so powerful, let them help your heart communicate with God through song. Let's pray and then we'll do that. God, you told us, what does it benefit us if we gain the whole world, but we lose our soul? Is anything worth that? And you answer that by saying, no, nothing, nothing is worth that. So God, some of us this morning for the very first time are saying, we're placing our hand in yours. Please hang on. Some of us, God, this morning are coming back to you. But our hearts, God, we have some hope today. We have some hope. Thank you that you have not given up on us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.